Hello. Hello there, everyone. What up, y'all? It is us. We are back. It is 9 a.m. Uh, and we were just having a conversation about um, mind control, as you do on a Sunday morning. It's the only topic I want to talk about. <laughs> and, yeah, it's been a while. Um, we try Honestly, we tried to make... An episode like five times. The universe conspired against us. In the past month, it just has not worked out. I tried to use my... Um, microphone? Yeah, my professional microphone on my computer on Anchor. And the screen timed out. And silly me, I thought it would continue recording. Yeah. And so we spoke for an hour and nothing recorded. So that was cool. And the thing is, I went to check it three times. Mm-hmm. And two out of the three times, you're like, no, it's okay. It's still going. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. You know what? It just makes sense to me that it would continue recording even with the screen off. Like It runs on YouTube. What do you mean YouTube? It runs on the YouTube app. You know how you can't like listen to YouTube and close out the app? I can. Yeah, if you're paying premium for it, I'm talking about most people who are using YouTube. You can't do that. You can't play. I think YouTube premium is worth it. People make fun for this. Okay, I'm not saying it isn't. No, no, it just got me thinking about it. Because I remember I read a tweet where someone was like basically calling everyone who uses YouTube premium a herb. And I was like, excuse me? No. Sometimes I listen to audiobooks. It really all depends on what you use the thing for. You can't take offense for somebody else's opinion because they probably don't even use YouTube like that. No, I'm offended. Oh, well, okay, <laughs> go ahead and waste your time. I don't, I don't uh, no, I'm not offended, but I really enjoy YouTube Premium. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we've had like background noise issues and like... Cue, uh, cue the... Cue the big truck. Um, and like... Not conversation issues, but blanking. Just been like, uh, I have no words left. You can speak for yourself. I never run out of words. See, this is true. Or I talk all fracking day. This is true. Doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about, y'all. But I will talk your ear off if you let me. Yeah. If you like to listen, this yeah. man likes to talk. I'm I'm the one for you. <laughs> I I keep the channels to the to the universe open and stuff just comes to me nonstop in a like uncontrolled stream of consciousness and I just kind of hone in on it and start going this is true so we were talking about Gerard this um, lovely homesteader that I follow on TikTok Mm -hmm. he's a very nice dude shout out to Gerard what's his his, uh, do you remember I don't know so I call him Gerard (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know his name's Gerard but I've shared one or two of his videos on my page and you know if you want to know who he is get at me and i'll send you his information yeah um so we're talking about gerard and because he posted a video he's a homesteader in the desert i believe he lives in arizona uh not to give you all his information yeah it's either arizona or new mexico but he's one of like the deserty states yeah and uh he basically transitioned from corporate life to like i'm done with this and i'm just living sovereign i'm gonna go high in the desert yeah, and he, like, has trained dogs and all this cool stuff. Anyway, that, that's besides the point. So, he posted a video talking about MK Ultra, 
and I'm sure most of you know about the MK Ultra experiments, but that's the premium edition of Mortal Kombat, right? That's yeah, exactly, with, exactly. With all the extra characters, uh-huh. okay. I'll yeah, for the uh, for the Xbox One. Yeah, you get DLC. You get uh, full gore as a DLC character from Killer Instinct. Yep, and yeah, yeah. exactly. But also, MK Ultra is. <laughs> <laughs> a or government what, or, or, was, or was according to documentation yeah an experiment um in mind control using a variety of things psychedelics um auditory and visual bombardment yeah. uh um, candidates exactly uh, exactly but so when we say mind control just to clarify we don't we don't specifically mean just the idea of I'm gonna make you do something. Also, the idea of like, I can control what thoughts you have, when you have those thoughts, mm. how you have those thoughts. Um, yeah, be- through through kind of like a series of Pavlovian right conditioning. Responses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So uh, this experiment, if you go on the CIA.gov website, you can read about it. But only a portion of the experiment is published for public viewing. Yeah, and Gerard's argument is that's because that's what they're not using on the public. They're not going to talk about what they're currently using on the public. Yeah, they're not going to tell you the stuff that works so that you can be on the lookout for it and defend yourself from it because that's just outing yourself. Yes, exactly. So his argument is like you know you have to be aware and mindful of the programming that's all around us like via TV and social media mm-hmm. and not just through the content but through frequencies through the types of lighting right I've, like halogen yeah. light uh, or LED sub, light sub uh, what is this sub conscious frequencies mm. there's a there's like sub neural sounds that you can put in videos or in movies yeah. and that triggers specific effects. That's actually a big part of the reason why all the crappy newer horror movies can generate jump scares. It's because there's specific tones that signal dread to so they put them at a sub at a sub uh, conscious frequency. So you don't really hear it directly. So when you say that you're talking about the volume? No, I'm talking about the actual frequency. Oh, okay, no, because you made a volume turning gesture and yeah, well, because I said sub, and to me, sub is below. so like a low and an imperceptible frequency, right? And it 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 hits you in a way that triggers your fight your fight or flight response, mm. but you're never aware that it's there. I forget what it's called. It's sub something frequency. I just can't remember. It's gonna bother me, but I'll, I'm sure in 20 minutes the word will come to one of us, and I'll scream it out. There we go. So, stay tuned for that. Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> That movie's funny. Okay. Um, oh, speaking of movies, if you like Kung Pao Enter the Fist, it is on Amazon Prime. We just found this out yesterday. <laughs> and it was amazing. So, yeah. uh, that's... Shout out to Kung Pao. That's not Bob. Bill Odenkirk? Steve Odenkirk. Steve Odenkirk. Shout out to Steve Odenkirk, friend of the show. But, friend of the show... <laughs> That's how you speak things into existence, we're, people. We can't wait to have you on the on, on the show, Steve. You, it, it'll have to be after Dave because you know he's been a day one, but you're on the list. <laughs> um, if you want to know something about us both that you 
probably might not learn from like podcasting and just anything else. This is one of our favorite movies of all time. I love it so much. Like it makes me so happy. It's so dumb. It's don't oh, it's absurd. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's a good movie. I would never make that claim because in my eyes, the idea of good and bad is subjective regardless of what it is that you're talking about, right? It's not a well-made movie. Although the technological advancements that they made for the budget that they made the movie is incredible. Revolutionary for what you see what people are doing now with deep fakes right. and, and stuff. A like- lot of that stuff comes directly like i don't want to give the credit to kung pao because obviously that kind of technology had already existed otherwise they wouldn't be able to use it but they blended things in such a way that now it's common it's a common thing but back then nobody was doing this yeah yeah yeah. but um it is an absurd comedy i love absurd comedies and then he killed the dog So, yeah, if you want to know a little something more about us, like our personalities, I guess, watch <laughs> don't, it don't and do DM that. me. Don't do yes, that. Yes, <laughs> watch it and then and then DM me what you think of it. And only if it's something positive. <laughs> yeah. If, you're, if, you're gonna, if, if you don't like it, keep it to yourself. <laughs> if you're going to talk trash about that movie, leave me alone. We can't be friends. Uh, that's not true. I do know people who... Do I know anyone who doesn't like it? No, I know people who haven't seen it. Well, I mean, I know people who don't like it. I know people who think that movie is stupid. But I'm like, yeah, that's the point. It's stupid. That's- yeah, you gotta know what you're getting into. You know, like, uh, we talk about this with movies a lot in particular. Because you really like B, C, D, E, F horror movies. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it all the way to Z, baby. And, I, um, I like I like horror movies that you made with your friend on your camcorder when you were 12. Yeah. Like, so, you know... It, it, I feel like you can't judge all movies on like the Oscar scale. They're and not know, meant to be judged that way. I know I know a lot of people have issues with horror movies because of the messaging mm-hmm. and they have a lot of issues. But I grew up as a kid who admired special effects artists, mm. right? And I admired special effects artists because when I was a little kid my dad sat me down and he made me watch I can't remember what the special was. I'm 90% sure it was on HBO, but it was about Tom Savini and the way he did the transformation scene in American Werewolf in Paris. Mm-hmm. I, it's burned into my brain, right? Like, I remember everything about this special. It might have just been a clip from the special now that I'm thinking about it. It might have been just like a, like a, like a MTV True Life kind of a thing, but... That section was about Tom Savini. And my dad forced me to sit down and watch this thing. And he was like, see, it's all fake. You don't have to be scared of this stuff. And then after that, what I became obsessed with was the ingenuity of special effects artists, right? How you take rubber hose and uh, corn syrup and food coloring and sometimes a little bit of glitter, right? Like how you take all that and then you make it look like this horrible thing that is obviously fake. Right, I think that kind of thing is cool. I think what human beings are capable of in terms of resourcefulness when they have a goal in mind is always interesting to me. So I've always been interested in makers. Right, like you know, I'm obsessed with anything where like somebody makes something. Mm. Right, I love forged in fire. I like watching 
Country Bumpkins Make Knives. Like, that I was a good show. Yeah. That was a really good show. Or, or, or um, Ink Master. Ink Master is a great example mm. of this too, right? Like, yes, I like art. Yes, I like tattoos. But that doesn't mean I necessarily like watching people make... T- I, I do. But, you know, most people don't. But I love that format of... Not only is it a competition, not only is it an entertaining TV show, but at the end of the day, you're going to get to see what somebody made. And I think that's where my like love for horror movies really comes from, right? Is my adoration for special effects artists. Little known fact, had I not gone to the Kubert School, the first school I had actually applied to was the Tom Savini School in, in Pittsburgh. Because mm-hmm. uh, originally I wanted to be a special effects artist. It just seemed too expensive. And now I'm 90K in debt. So obviously I made the right decision. <laughs> Student loans, am I right? Sarafan Beach. I know. I mean, kind of similar with me. Like, Well, no. Similar. I'm talking about student loans. You know, we originally um, started talking about Gerard and we shifted all the way to student loans already. That's my fault. I did that. But I mean, I'm glad you're taking credit for your work. <laughs> Can't help it. It's ADHD, y'all. I mean, you know what? Conversation, right? That's what conversation is. Uh, digressing. So... Yeah, but it does tie in kind of nicely with what Gerard was saying, right? So, what are the tools that we use now to, like, program people? TV, TV media, movies, music, but not movies. so much TV and movies anymore because social media gives you a newer, like... Uh... No, I still think they definitely use movies. Yes, but with social media, there's, like, more of a... a personable approach. So you, so kids see yeah. influencers thinking that oh this is just some guy in their house no it's this the is a person of who the technique. Yeah. social media is yes um, here's this guy no I, just, I you get you guys get the gist um, yeah it's also more personal in the sense of like I know uh, again for those of you who don't know I was an art teacher for a few years working with middle schoolers. Um, like I happen to know for a fact that these kids who get heavy screen time, right, start to associate these people with their friends, mm-hmm. right? Like, or you know, with my with my sister, right? Uh, Ryan's toy reviews and oh all that God. stuff, right? They start eventually. They start acting like they know this person. Like yeah. they they develop a parasocial a parasocial relationship and. Once, once that happens, those people can circumvent parents mm-hmm. to advertise directly to kids, and kids don't know that they're being advertised to. That's a form of brainwashing. Wasn't there a story about like a popular children's TV show host jokingly asking kids to to mail them money? This was a long time ago. I mean, it sounds. Familiar, I want to say that the whole, like the TV show had something to do with a walrus. I this is just what I remember, but yeah, I don't know. I think that reality TV was a real testing ground for this social media person to person connection that's like kind of contrived. Mm-hmm. And kids, you know, are the. It, I mean, it's all about kids right like everything that we are doing or not we all of the 
programming mechanisms are meant to be targeted at kids. Yeah, of if course. it works on adults, lovely. Great. Yeah. Cast the widest net, but they're targeting your children. But I th- and I think it's it, this is not to be alarmist, but it, all of it, all of it is targeting kids, right? Remember when we had to explicitly say, "Hey, let's not do cigarette ads that are cartoons." Yeah. Hey, like we had to, <laughs> people had to actually say we shouldn't do this because it's somehow affecting kids. Duh. Well, because, That's the whole point. Yeah, well, because there's that there's that entire technique of marketing, right? Where I'll use wrestling as an example, right? My generation of wrestling fans started to age out. So WWE specifically went PG to target Mm. the kids. Because in order for a kid to come to a WWE event, you have to get the parent, right? So now you're selling two tickets where you would usually sell one. Yeah, I mean, it makes financial sense. Oh, yeah. No, it's evil. If you're heartless and, and terrible. But, you know, um, (laughs) um, shoot, I had something. Oh, yeah. So the cool thing about knowing that the world is trying, you know, by the world, I mean corporations, that corporations are constantly trying to manipulate you is that you can kind of use that to your advantage. Like, so I just, I just saw this this morning. I was going to send you the TikTok, but the guy was like sort of praising Jordan Peterson and I was like I'm not going to send it to you because I feel like that's what you're going to be your, your big takeaway from the video <laughs> I, as soon as I was listening to it I was like I'm going to send this to you and then I heard Jordan Peterson and I was like nah, never mind I'll just talk about it <laughs> the thing that, that, so I don't I don't want to insult anybody if you like Jordan Peterson I, I, I don't I just think he's a pseudo intellectual and I think people give him way too much credit and he's a little too loose with his views on race inequality. I don't know enough about Jordan Peterson to he, even have an opinion. He is every stuffy white dude in a suit who thinks he knows better. Like that's that's my big qualm with him. Well, I mean, um haven't you seen those those people who say I pray for the confidence and of a mediocre white yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you know there you go anyway so the tiktok i saw was <clears throat> this guy saying do you know the saying that uh your future is the friends you keep like it's, it's determined by the friends you keep yeah right so he said since the tiktok algorithm is so um specific specific easily programmed Right, I feel like more often than not, it has honed in on like, wow, this was like specifically for me. That's crazy. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. It's it's surprised me many times, and it's amazing technology. Like technology has no moral, um, no moral standing on its own. It's neutral, right? Just like money, just like everything else. So, tech the technology of TikTok is fucking impressive. Like it is impressive. The algorithm. And you know what? It's probably not as impressive as we think it is. Mm -hmm. It's probably a lot simpler than we assume. Mm -hmm. And there's just a piece that we're unaware of that makes it seem more impressive. Well, I mean, we give them access to our mic and then we say words and then they compare that to other words that people say in their own TikToks and then they match them. That's part of it. But anyway, so 
you know, this is going back to the that idea of using the awareness of the weapon to better yourself rather than be inflicted upon. Right. So and this was and this was my dad's like this was my dad's entire approach what I was saying about the horror movie, yeah. right? He made me aware of the way it works so that then he could disarm my fear of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like um fear of the unknown you face the monster head on whatever. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So the guy was saying, yes, there's a saying, your future is dependent on the, or, or determined by the friends you keep. Um, meaning that, you know, if you surround yourself with people who are unmotivated and and uh, without goals, that your future is kind of... Unmotivated and without goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are the sum of the company you keep. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't get many years ago, but now I do understand it. So... Um, what he was saying is he would spend an hour on TikTok every day mm-hmm. making sure that he was watching videos of people that he wanted to be like. People that, you know, had he had the access, he would want to be friends with because that company would mean he'd be getting closer to where he wanted to be. Right. So using that, oh, it feels like you're talking to your friend by watching these videos, he was cultivating a subconscious environment where his friends were people like Gary Vee and Jordan Peterson. and I know, I know. But just, you know, replace those names with whoever you want. And he was like, this is the way that I've been kind of reprogramming my mental environment without having to, like, drop a bunch of people. Or, yeah. or go out and try and make a bunch of new friends who are at a status that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, whatever, it's hard to meet, whatever. And I thought that was, like, an amazing hack. Because yeah, it does feel like kids really think these people are their friends. Well, it's it's sort of akin to uh, the pattern recognition thing that I'm always touting. Where if you want to see what your future is like doing something, <laughs> all you have to do is find people who are like you. Who do the thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you can tell... You you could agree with me or not. You could um, tell how far you'll be allowed to go. Mm. But if you can get like two, like two to three examples of people who are like you. Who work in that industry. And you sum their lives up together. That's about the area where you're going to be allowed to get to. Right? So... That's why that's why networking is important because so I want I wanted to be a comic book artist and I'm I'm using wanted because I'm not sure if I'm still pursuing that as a career anymore. Um, but while I wanted to do that, I started looking at everybody in the industry, right? And then from there I started looking at people who are in my age group. Right, who are in my age group, who started around the same time that I did, who maybe come from similar backgrounds to me, who have about the same amount of time in the industry that I right, and via all those metrics, I could easily predict how how well I would be allowed to do. Yeah. That's not saying that you can't push past that. Obviously, you can with enough hard work and with enough sacrifice. But on um, average, on average, this is likely where I would wind up. 
Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense because, um, you know, I, I'm starting to understand now that you really shouldn't take advice from people who are not living a life that you want to live. Yeah, well, and that's not a knock on anybody. Like, mm-hmm. Everybody's life, if you're living your life um, of your own inspiration, then you're living the life you're meant to live. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's for me. And the thing is, the thing is, the thing about advice, while it is 99.9% of the time done with good intentions, uh-huh. right? Advice is kind of useless on unless two criteria are met. The person giving you the advice already has what you want, mm-hmm. right? And secondly, their circumstances are similar enough to your circumstances that you could follow a path that they laid before you. Because the truth of it is, nobody's physiology is the same, nobody's mental health is the same, nobody's life circumstances are the same, and... Those are going to be the determining factors on what you're allowed to do. Again, when I say allowed, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be fatalistic. I'm not trying to say, well, you can only do this if you were born in the zip code. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. Um, Obviously, there is a human component and the amount of effort that you're able to put in is going to determine ultimately how far past that That you're going to be able to go. Um but at the end of the day like you can preemptively predict how much effort it's going to take to get you to where you would want to be and determine whether or not that effort is worth it right because even the people that i see who have what i wanted at that time mm-hmm. i look at them right and They don't realize that people are doing this, but I know that I'm doing it, right? They advertise themselves on YouTube, right? They're they're a professional artist. They advertise themselves on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And what they think they're putting forward is just their art. But I'm clocking your background, Mm. right? I know you live in a $300,000 house. I know that you have $60,000 worth of art equipment at your disposal, right? So you could try to tell me that... I'm like you. Mm-hmm. I come from the same background as you, right? And I made it, to, but the stuff around you kind of gives you away, mm. right? And the thing that I'm discovering more and more is that all the people that whose positions I would like to find myself in are people who had money from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They had access to money or they had access to people who have access to money, right? And that's the big con. The big con is you could be whoever you want to be with enough effort. And while that's true for a lot of people, it's not true for everybody. There are some people whose wants and goals are literally impossible for them based on their life circumstances. Right? So unless they make drastic changes to Mm -hmm. their life circumstances, there is zero way for them to get to the thing that they want to get to. Yeah, and and that's because... Most advice is not personalized for your experience. It can't. So be. it can't exactly. It can't be. So it's like yes, yeah, so we watch these videos of you know how to break into the tech industry. Here is what I did. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that these are the steps that are going to work for you. Yeah. But it takes. This creativity. isn't the way to get into them. Yeah, but it also takes like realizing that uh, a template is not going to 
is we will never be individualized enough for every person. Yeah, because one work. size doesn't fit all. And we were talking about this the other day, but you know, a, a lot of people right now in this like transition of work of what work means, right? Because of what they are calling the Great Resignation and what quit your job. Everyone who's you know quitting their careers or just restructuring or taking new approaches. A lot of these people are literally creating new jobs that never existed before. Exactly. So to to look for a template for how to become a a digital wardrobe designer, people have not really. Done, this is not something you're going to school yeah. for. And and while there may have been some pioneers who have already cracked the code for themselves yeah. on how to do that. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that their methodology is going to be universal and that it's going to be something that can be implemented by everyone. But now, so I was talking to, or I was chatting with someone on Instagram about, oh man, I can't remember what it was called. And it made so much sense, the, the way the word was structured. Inability to visualize or difficulty visualizing. It was like the the root word for visualization and then A in the front, like aphonic, but for visualization. I can't remember. So this is the not having a mind's eye thing, right? Like the not having Well, not having pictures. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and not just having, having visuals. Yeah. And just having narrative. Um, I think that this is why at times it's difficult for me to think about what it is that I want, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, just the, just the question, what do you want, is like so loaded <laughs> because i don't know like i know a feeling of what i want i know a fantasia dang it i knew it i knew it immediately and i didn't say it because i didn't trust myself a fantasia such a smart word anyway so i was talking about this to somebody and i had known for a few years that this is kind of what is my inner reality although you know if i try hard enough meaning if i don't try at all right because that's that paradox of trying if i try hard enough to not try and to just chill i can have visuals in my mind mm -hmm. but it takes a lot of effortful non-effort you know mm -hmm. like i can't just uh willpower my way into visualizing a clear and um sensory inner picture mm -hmm. <clears throat> And a lot of times when I try to, you know, because I journal maybe three times a week. I want to journal every day, but I'm being honest. Maybe three, two to three times a week I journal yeah. in the in the morning times. Best practice. Whatever and, you can manage. Yeah, whatever I can do. And a lot of times the question I come, I keep hitting is, what do you want? What do you want? Because we all know from being in these communities and watching these videos and, and, and being motivated by amazing people. It's that you need to know what you want to take action on what you want, right? Like, don't. Yeah, now you're spinning your wheels. Yeah, which How is... How can I move towards a goal if I don't know what that goal is? Exactly. And I have described my much of my adult life as spinning my wheels, as filling my day so that I didn't have an... Ex so I had an excuse to not pursue what I wanted because it was like, well, how could I put in real effort on my goals when I had all this laundry to do today? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I, working two and three jobs and just filling it all. 
and maybe because I thought that's what life was, like, oh, you know, doing all the, as, the more you do, the more you're winning at life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people felt like that until a few years ago, and now the, it's, that idea has changed. So I'm confronted with the idea of what do you want? What do you actually want? And I've talked about this before. What do you actually want? Like, I'll say, oh, I want X amount of money. Do you want the money or do you want what you think money can get you? And I think that the difficulty visualizing is a factor in my difficulty deciding what I want. But also, I have been conditioned from childhood to follow instruction. Yes. And to uh, use quote-unquote tried-and-true studied methods to do to accomplish things. We're entering a period of history where those templates do not matter and we're in the position, us as people alive right now, are in the position of creating the future templates that next generations are going to see and yep. be like, oh, this is how they got into you know, robotics or whatever. Yep. And, um, and I have no solution for that at the moment, but... Well, this is this is one thing that well, of course, uh, every dog oh in the dogs. um. So this is one of those things that I can say as a person who doesn't have kids, right? And I don't want it to come off as like judgy against parents or anything. But when you have a child, mm-hmm. the first thing that you have to realize. Is that the world that you grew up in no longer exists because we're at a different point in time and everything changes, right? Technology advances, uh, people's opinions on things shift and fluctuate, the popular consensus on what is and what isn't, those things change. So the the second that you have a child, your child is growing up in a different world than you grew up in. And that means you cannot raise them by the standards of the world in which you were raised in because you're setting them up to fail, right? If if um, if it were possible for a boomer to have a child right now, mm-hmm. like, and I, uh, I mean, it is, you know, they could adopt, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that boomer were to raise that child by cold cold war era standards mm-hmm. that kid is gonna be lost in the world right manufacturing jobs don't exist like that people don't work in factories like that and right all the things that people were used to mm-hmm. back then don't really apply anymore so if you try to live your life by those standards you're sh- sol shit out of luck and you know i think that we often discount the mindfulness it takes to be an effective parent. It takes a lot of consideration. Because I, I, I understand the desire to uh, raise your children off of certain values that were mm-hmm. held in, in that, those periods. But that's that, totally different than, the realities than of it, in yeah. 2021 being like, just go to the supermarket and ask to talk to the manager because you need a bagging job. Right, because like, now your local supermarket isn't just your local supermarket. It's a chain of like 40 stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just exactly. A, it's a different... The approach has to be adjusted Yeah, for the environment. And this is... and this is So this is one of the things that like... 
leads to very ineffective parenting. Mm. Right? Not bad parenting, not like, oh, you know, my mom messed me up. Not that, but like ineffective parenting. I.e. you you're you're preparing your kid for a world that doesn't exist, and mm-hmm. then you're surprised when they go out into the world and they're lost. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we know we know people personally. Yeah. Um who have to deal with this exact thing and we see how it affects this person yeah it's um this even now the you know when you're it's tough because if you're not a person who observes the changes of the world you can't really give your kid advice that is pertinent to the current world right right so you want to help your child so badly, but you f- really don't know what's going on at all. And that's not to be rude. Yeah. At a certain, if I'm, you know, in my nineties, I don't know that I'm going to be too interested in <laughs> what's going on with the changes of the world. Right. You know. Um, I'm planning my my exit while. Yeah, I'm, I, I got other stuff going. Yeah, on, yeah. You know. <laughs> so I I get it. Like it's not. Uh, nothing's ever an attack on anyone personally but realistically if you're not preparing someone for the world that currently exists your hope is either that they're going to change the world to what it was or there was no mindfulness in the approach which is true for not just parenting but for everything I think we're discouraged from being mindful absolutely well I mean that's kind of that's kind of the whole purpose of or at least, in my opinion, that's the whole purpose of initiating this work, 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 grind culture. Yeah. Right? Is if you are busy from the second that you wake up to the second that you go to sleep, you literally have no time to ponder. Um, and at the end of the day, like, pondering things is, like, my favorite thing to do. Right? Um, I constantly say, sometimes I sit here and I try to imagine infinity. Mm. I know it's impossible. I know it's not a thing that I can achieve. But just because I can't do it doesn't mean I shouldn't try to do it. Mm. Because the the moments of enlightenment that I get from trying to ponder infinity vastly outweigh what you would assume is a waste of time because it's something I can't do. I gain so much more out of trying to do something that's quote unquote impossible yeah. than I would from not doing it at all. Well, it's also, like, really related to a conversation we were having a few weeks ago where um, where I was feeling a little discouraged because, you know, I've made all these changes and, and grown so much internally, mm-hmm. but there is no physical evidence of that. There is no, like, you know, here's a, a, a physical manifestation of everything I've accomplished in the past two years. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I don't have anything tangible that I could show someone, not that, you know, then I could even take that back further to like, why do you even want to show someone your progress? What does it matter? But yeah, that's also dependent on the metrics that you're using. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of like, a lot of the game of this life is internal progress is internal work because the external stuff is created by the players of the game. Yeah. And the external stuff is, intended to keep you distracted from the internal stuff Mm -hmm. because the internal stuff is where you're going to actually make changes 
that that's it's it's inside of you that you're actually going to make the mental change mm-hmm. that gives you the energy to pursue your goal. Yeah. Or this is even linked to when we were talking about scammers, right? Like there's so many scammers everywhere right now, right? It's like scam central, especially in the I hate calling it the spiritual community because it's just like annoying, but I guess the spiritual community. Shout out to Ling. Uh, my car insurance is up to date. You don't have to call me today. We're good. Yes, the scammers. <laughs> but the you know, you've all seen it. You've all been DM'd by yep. uh, uh, the quietest phone. revolution with three N's at the end. And, you know, people pretending to be other people and, and soliciting you for like, do you need a reading? You know, your energy called me. When you think about scammers... Their entire market is desperate people who don't trust themselves. And this is not to be offensive. It might become, it might come off as offensive. But if you are in a position where you're like, I need guidance now. I really need guidance. And someone pops into your DMs and says, your energy called me. Yeah. If you give me $200 right now, I'll give you a reading. First of all, you're playing to the ego. Your energy called me. Mm-hmm. I was compelled. You're to DM so you. special that I felt you across time. Which and is space. not to say you're yeah. not, you know, you're not special. But this is not what professional, uh, you know, spiritualists and readers are doing. Right, and definitely not Amber. And and yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you are in a position where you just found that page, right. You, you're not familiar with their work. You're new to the game. You're new to the app. You're new to the whatever. Most most likely because you're seeking spiritual guidance. Right. And now someone jumps into your DMs and, and you think, $200, I can make that back. Right. That's e- not a big Even deal. $30, I can make that back. Yeah. Right? So the entire scam culture is meant to prey on people who are in a tough spot. Yeah, or, or people who... Don't have the luxury to think clearly, right? They're mm-hmm. they're in they're they're pressed for something, pressed for time, pressed for uh, clarity of thought, pressed for uh, peace, pressed for yeah. whatever the thing is, and they're desperate. So, in a moment of desperate, if you catch them at the right time, they will slip through the crack of being part of the community and fall into the scam hole. Well, and then now couple that with a society that teaches you that everything must be confirmed from outside validation. Right. Everything, you don't know anything. I mean, we don't know anything, but you don't know anything, but we know stuff. So if you want to know what's up, you ask. You ask your quote-unquote authority, right? So now we're not encouraged. And, you know, the only way to success is to be busy 24-7 and to be constantly working and grinding towards your goals. So now you're creating an inner environment where you don't trust yourself and you don't even think to consider that you would have answers. Yeah, like you you discredit your intuition so far that you mm-hmm. can't imagine that you would be capable of coming up with a determination that leads to your best interest. Yep. And that's really wild to me. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one in your life who has all the information, right? Who has, right? Like, literally, you have the inside track because you're the only one who has access to your thoughts. Everyone else who's dealing with you as an individual is only dealing with 
half of the experience. Mm -hmm. And you're only dealing with half of the experience. Your half. You can't deal with their half. Well, and, you know, what's highlighted in you is what I'm able to perceive at this moment. The mirror thing, you know? So every every piece of advice that is given to you from the outside has a little bit of skew to it. Right. Because nobody could see you in a transparent way without the coloring of their own experience bouncing off of you back onto them. Right. And then there's... And then it also depends on the kind of people that you're interacting with, mm -hmm. right? Because people who deal with, like, ADHD, for example, mm -hmm. we are chronic mirrors right so one of the things that i encounter in my life a lot is i do it subconsciously i'll meet somebody new we're hanging out and i'll match their energy mm -hmm. right because they're cool and i want to and it was just a piece of paper door oh. um they're, they're cool and i just want us to be cool so i match their energy and then they really like me as a person but <laughs> what they really like about me has nothing to do with me has everything to do with them. I'm being like you because I know that's what you like. You're egoti you're egotistical that way. Not you specifically. Everyone is egotistical this way. Mm -hmm. You like yourself, even though you tell yourself you might not. You like yourself to an to a certain extent because if you didn't, you would have killed yourself by now, mm -hmm. right? Like that's kind of the way it works. Um, so I will sub I will subconsciously mirror a person. Show them the parts of them that I like. They'll start to like that about me like it's a part of me. And then they will create this character that I now have an expectation of meeting whenever I hang out with them. Yeah. And this is the exhausting thing to me about people. And this is why merging Even friend groups has always been tough for me. Because I didn't realize that I was different in each friend group, right? Like, in you know... I, I'm I mean, different practically person to person. Not because I'm fake, just because people are different. Well, and, you know, astrologically, Gemini rising, so you can mold, like, you're mutable in that way to people's ideas or whatever. I think for me, it's more of, like, um, like a wanting to avoid mm -hmm. problems. Because I know, you know, maybe this is me harshly judging myself, I can be super awkward in social interactions. Yeah. If I'm just being blank and me and i'm not saying that i'm blank but if you're if you're acting on your whims yeah because if i'm acting on my whims there's a point in interaction where part of me is just like i'm ready to leave now i don't want to see you anymore <laughs> right and that's not because i hate you but it's like i have a limited time period where i can deal with being around people mm -hmm. and if I don't put on a mask and I'm out at a party and it's like, you know, an hour and a half in and someone's talking to me and I just want to walk away from them without even saying bye, right? Because sometimes that happens. So instead, I'll just space out and smile and give you, and I'm mirroring your facial expression mm -hmm. so that you think I'm really a good listener, yeah. right? And I am a good listener. I'm just not a really great retainer of what I listen to. Yeah, and the th but see the thing about, like, even good listeners... Mm -hmm. Even if you are a good listener, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the retentive ability mm -hmm. to listen for long durations of time. Exactly. Or you have the ability to... I don't know, like with me, a big thing is you need to be able to 
bounce between topics, mm-hmm. right? Because we'll be talking about one thing, MK Ultra, and then I'll bring up another thing. And always the, the goal of me bringing up the other thing is like, it's a tangential parallel. And I always intend to loop it back around and cinch it together, right? But then the person I'm having a conversation with will get interested in the tangential thing that I'm talking about. And then we wind up going way past it. And then I'll forget what the initial loop was supposed to be. Same. I think that this is why I enjoy listening to podcasts of, of a, just a single person. Mm-hmm. Because then they have the opportunity to get to their point. Right? But in conversation, that's not always allowed because... It's not a. St- I'm not telling you a short story. We're having we're having a conversation. I mean, you know? I'm telling you a short story almost every time. Yes, I understand that, but realistically. Oh yeah, no. This is why people don't like don't like having conversations with me because that's the way I approach conversation. Mm-hmm. They most people approach conversation the way you're you're describing. I know my whole thing is. I know the point that I want to make, mm-hmm. and I understand that that point is buried under like 16 layers of subtext so i very quickly generate a way that i can give you the backstory mm-hmm. stuff so that i can get to the point where i can give you the point and it makes sense right it's me trying to make a shikamaru reference to someone who's never seen naruto mm-hmm. so let me back up okay dave i know i was uh, just i was just gonna say it too but i don't want to cut you off no. yeah well you know what and in happy endings that's that's one of the things that i relate to about Dave, right? And even Big Dave, because Big Dave does it too, and I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, oh. is the is the let me zoom out on the conversation a little bit so that I can give you a little bit more of the surrounding context, mm-hmm. just so you don't think I'm a crazy person, or just so you don't think um, that that point was out of the blue. Because a lot of times, what happens is someone will say something that'll make me think of something very specifically, but it's such a tangential parallel. That there's miles between the two points. Yeah. And yes, eventually they converge at the point that I'm trying to make. But I have to backtrack all those miles to let you know how I got there. Or if not, you're going to get lost. I think it's an effective strategy, though, to like preface that with a Tarantino-like connection in the beginning. Like, here's the end point. Let's take it back now. Instead of being like... See, but I, I tr- I've tried that, too. Mm-hmm. I've tried that with people. And then what happens is... Then I have to explain the point and not the context. And then that changes the conversation altogether. Because now what's going to happen is they're going to misunderstand some part of the point that I'm trying to make. Because they don't have the context that I'm trying to give them. Right? So then they'll ask me a left field question about the point. And then I wind up having to explain something different instead of how I got to the point. Yeah, totally. Classic conversation. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you guys can tell from the... I'm not good at it. Like, if we ever have a one-on-one conversation, expect the awkwardness, expect my ADD to flare and me to lose my attentiveness, expect for me to go all the way to left field. But if you let me talk long enough, I'll bring it back around and, and explain why that's what that made me think of. I think also, like, for me, my... Uh, reduced attentiveness is acquired. MK Ultra, back to the point. Brainwashing. Hey, um, because I've said this before, I remember when I was a kid, I could read like a 500 page book in like two days. Yeah. I would spend eight hours a day reading. 
and that's so funny. I was just telling my grandmother this the other on Thanksgiving, and she actually asked me if I had gone to a psychiatrist because I don't like being around people. <laughs> well, I was like, that. First of all, that is the pot calling the kettle black. I think some people don't generate enough life force. They don't have enough chi. They don't have enough chakra energy, right? And they have this energy vampire thing about them. And most of them are extroverts. No, you know, no shade to extroverts because extroverts refill their battery by being around people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is an example of that, right? Is someone who was forced to take on introverted personality traits based on the history um but is actually is actually uh would actually lean extrovert would actually lean in the direction of i get my energy oh that's the that's the truth because you know not to go into too much detail but she seeks you know what i mean from the second she gets up yeah she is seeking interaction and most of the time it's negative interaction because that's the only way she you know, I'm not going to go into her psychology, but we're sitting there on Thanksgiving and I'm like, you know, like, uh, okay. Cause I'm in a situation right now where both of my grandmothers, my maternal and paternal grandmother live in the same house. And that house happens to be directly below my house. Thank you for being a friend. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, we won't go into detail about that, but, <laughs> but for Thanksgiving this year, you know, since I'm away from my family, I was like, I'm going to keep it. Oh my God. <laughs> we decided to keep it low key. So I went downstairs, um, mostly out of social obligation, because I was like, oh, I'm near family. So, you know, let me spend a couple time with family. Yes, I know. Um, let me spend some time with my family. So I went downstairs. And, you know, my paternal grandmother doesn't really know me personally. Like, we didn't spend time together growing up. She lived in a different place for me my whole life, so we just didn't get the clock hours in. Quality time. So she doesn't know me, but that's also, it's also accurate to say most people don't know me because, as my own husband would say, I give people nothing. I say nothing. Yeah. You don't give anything. You, it, like, people need to ask you for it. And even then, you you might just like find a way to subvert the thing that they're asking for because you don't want to give it. And when he says things I'm asking for uh, that people ask for, he's talking mostly about personal information about myself. Right, 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 right. Like uh, her internal workings. I give a lot of physical things. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know? And and um, time you give your time. I give super my time regularly. very regularly. Uh, probably to compensate for you know latent guilt over not giving anything of myself, but whatever. There's a lot going on there. I don't give a lot of information about myself. I don't feel that a lot of people can relate to the information about myself, so I just don't give it because I don't really like to explain myself. I like to exist without having to justify my existence. And I've grown up in environments where I have to justify my existence for some stupid reason or another, right? So this is a very long-winded way of saying that I was downstairs and I was telling my grandma... You know, I don't really like being around people. Like, there's most people I generally don't care for. I love humanity. I think that we are a beautiful, energetic amalgamation. But 
I don't want to talk to the neighbors. I don't want to say hi to people just because they're outside. Right. Or we don't have to be friends just because we share a proximity. Or we don't have to be anything yeah. just because we're physically close to each other. And my grandma was like, you know, concerned by this. And I said, yeah, but it, this is not new. I've always been like this. I used to be in my room in the summertime just reading all day. And I wouldn't go see anybody. Like, very rarely would I go see people or whatever. And she was like, I don't understand that. Did you ever go to a psychologist? And I was like... That's something I... Like, the assumption <laughs> that people are crazy just because... Like, the assumption that people have some kind of psychological deficiency just because they're not like you... Yeah. Shows how psychologically, like, damaged the, the person asking the question. Well, that's why it made me laugh. Because in my mind, you know, and the, to me, this person is... A stranger, right? Like, like we are. Mm-hmm. You're my grandmother by title, right? You know, because my my dad said, because you're my dad's mom, right. right? And that's not to be offensive. It just that's the feelings I have. So for me, it made me laugh because objectively, I was like, <laughs> that's the pot calling the kettle black. Like, have you have, have you, you observed you? yourself? Have you, you met know? you? Uh, because this is a person who, without outside human interaction, completely implodes, right? And this is just based on a few months of observation, you know, of passive observation, because I don't really get into the thick of it because I don't want to. And this is, I think this is the reason why she brought this up too, because I don't, even to my own family, if I don't want to see you, I'm not going to. If I don't want to talk to you, I'm not going to. And this is not to be nasty, but I get my energy from being alone. So why am I going to just let it eke out to someone I already don't want to talk to? Yeah, just wasting fuel. But this was a tangent from me saying that I think my attention deficits are required. Because I used to be able to just hone in on a thing for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes I can do that, especially when I go on like astro rabbit holes online or whatever. But my attention is definitely different than it used to be. Jump cuts, baby. Jump cuts, baby. Um, Okay. So we have two minutes left on the clock, so I think we're going to take the second break and hop right back on. B-R-B. And we're back. No, I'm not. I needed to have a little baby banana. Mm, banana. Now I feel great. Baby bananas are just such a gift. Nature's candy. I love them. Forgot what I was talking about before. I'm not even remotely surprised. Acquired attention deficits. Mm-hmm. But I, I, th- I think I said what I needed to say on it. You know, I feel like it, it developed over my years of... Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a ton of contributing factors, right? Like, the, I said earlier, jump cuts, for example. For those of you who are unaware, that's the way most people edit their YouTube videos. Um, pop cuts. If you pay attention... There'll be splits between frames, even though it looks like one continuous shot. You could see the places where it's been cut and mm-hmm. spliced together, and like the movement is a little erratic, a little as soon as it comes back in. Um, there's been documented proof that exposure to jump cuts has been reducing the the duration of children's attention, the their attention span. 
Um, so they've all been Spongebobbed. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah. Like, so... If... All the... If all the entertainment you consume is consumed in these... 60 second, 13 second, 15 second, 12 second... Like, formats... Right? And you do them back to back to back to back to back to back... Um... Eventually, what that's going to do is going to train your awareness, your attentiveness to only be responsive to 12 minutes, 12 seconds, 12, whatever the number is, right? Um, The more frequent the jump cuts, the longer the exposure, the greater the grip on your attention Mm -hmm. becomes, right? The the harder it is for you to pay attention for longer durations. And I, at the, I'm starting to believe that it's an adaptation rather than a deficit. I don't like to use the term, you know, deficit, even though I literally just used it. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the brains and the mechanism of the brains of people uh, with what they call ADHD. Which it's a superpower, by the way. That's what I was going to, yeah, that's what I was getting to, that I think it's, It's really a way to... It's an evolution into this new world, right? Because it's not just, you know... Oh, I lost my attention during class. It's like, no, I made this connection that led me on another path in my mind. And it really allows for creative thinking in a way that... Yeah, not just creative thinking, too. Also, like... I don't know how to explain this to anybody, but... I can have multiple thoughts at one time... And I can compare those thoughts together and come to conclusions because of my ADHD, right? I can think about, um, all right, so like when you make a decision, when you make a decision, I always say you're only really aware of two options, whatever you perceive to be the best outcome Mm -hmm. and whatever you perceive to be the worst outcome. And those act as zero, zero point zero and 99.9 out of 100 or you know 100 out of 100 and but in between those two points there's an infinite amount of frequencies right and those frequencies are the potential outcome of things but your stubbornness Mm -hmm. and your commitment to these two options these being the only options you can imagine you put a stranglehold on the possibility of your life and that's why you wind up getting either like these bursts of euphoria or these like really downtrod moments instead of a steady frequency of like plains and like peaks and valleys you get these extreme mountains and like marianas trenches because you 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 can't be aware of anything more than those two options at one time but adhd actually gives you the ability to start stringing together possibilities that maybe you wouldn't have even been aware were possibilities had you not had ADHD. And when you think about what we were talking about earlier, how we're in the mid, we're at, well, really we're at the very brink. We're not in the middle of it. We're at the brink of a society where all these new roles will exist that have never existed, that we don't know exist. What better minds to conjure up these new roles, right? Ones that make connections where previously none were made. That's that's my big issue with like everything right now. Mm. Uh, 
with every school of thought, with every uh, practice, with every right. My big issue is that I feel like they all do the same thing, but pretend they're doing something different. And what they do is they set your eye on this big goal, a grand awakening, a mm-hmm. big right, this big event that's going to change the world. But it's really just kicking the can down the road to keep you hooked for just a little bit longer. Mm. To keep you engaged just a little bit longer. To get you to buy one more whatever the product is, yeah. right? Um, well, well, this informa- this instructional course is going to be the one. Right. And the truth is, I've done all of the things. Right? Maybe, maybe not... I fully committed to all the things because that's impossible in terms of time, mm-hmm. right? But I'm a pretty good judge of what works for me and what doesn't work for me, right? And it only takes a handful of attempts for me to know I'm not going to be able to keep up with this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to, you know, based on my own circumstances. And I feel like every version of self-help I've ever come across winds up in that same in that same thinking modality where it's like all right we got them hooked now we got to find the thing to kick the can down the road here's the you know not to knock on but the age of aquarius is coming right and it's gonna change everything and then it's like well yeah no that happened but now you have to wait for fucking planet x to show there's always a thing there's always a thing that we're waiting for and that's honestly the thing i'm most tired of i'm just i'm just tired of waiting for real if the if the volcano shelf is gonna fall in the ocean and a tsunami is gonna come and wipe me out bro just get here already i'm tired of waiting i'm tired of or i'm i'm like if you, the aliens are, you just show up Stop talking to me. Stop telling me about the prophecy. Stop telling me about the apostasy. I don't. I don't. I don't care anymore. I don't care what the thing that we're waiting for is. I'm tired of waiting. Just let it freaking happen. And if not, just shut up and don't talk to me about it until it happens. And then when it happens, then we could talk about it. But until then, you're really just trying to keep me on the line. Mm-hmm. And I just don't have the energy for you. I just don't have the energy to give to you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much I like you. I don't care what your beliefs are. I don't care what your practices are and i don't judge those things if those things work for you great i love them for you you like it i love it keep doing what works for you i'm hoping that uh a lot of people start to get to that point too because i i feel like that's part of learning that your own inner knowing is really more important and the truth because these these mass events do happen on an individual scale not on you know, uh, uh, an event happens in the world, but that doesn't mean it has the same impact on everyone. Right. Right. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what example to use, but 9/11. like, I just did. I didn't want to go to nine eleven, well, but yeah, nine eleven happened. And Chris Benoit. Everybody. All right, that's a good one. The ex- Owen Hart. The extent of which huge events happen, like Owen Hart's death. Um affects everyone in different ways yeah right it was earth shattering for his family yeah but and it was earth shattering for you in a different way because you watched it live on tv yeah and like i still like to this day remember the of the top rope when his body hit 
Oh right? Like, I could still picture it clearly. And the thing that I remember the most, and it's really weird. So, when he hit, they cut away to the crowd. And there was a shot of two little blonde girls. And the younger one turns to the older one and, like, hugs her. And it looks like she's crying. And at this point, the people who are watching at home don't know why. Because JR hasn't made the yeah. announcement that Owen Hart has died in the ring. And I remember it was me... And I want to say my cousin Charlie and my little brother that watched it live. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I keep recalling to that moment lets me know that it did something to my brain mm-hmm. that I can't express to you. Well, I'm sure at that before then you never considered that someone would die on live TV. That they weren't protected enough that that would actually happen. You know what's the sick thing? Hmm. They went on with the show. Oh, right? God. They went on. Not, not the fact that they went on with the show. That's not the sick thing. Because obviously if you have a couple of hundred thousand people in a, in a venue and you just end the event, that could cause a riot. Right? So I get why they have to continue. The show must go on. I get, I get that part of it. But they continued, they continued the show. And the sick part is I continued to watch it. I was a kid. I did. I really didn't have a gra- like obviously I knew people die and what happens but like I was so unaffected by it in the moment mm-hmm. and it wasn't until decades later thinking on it where I was like yo this was a mass trauma event right there is a whole generation of wrestling fans who grew up like me who saw that life who don't even recognize that they've been affected with how they deal with death how death affects them how mm-hmm. like tragic just and it was just like a split second on TV. Yeah, and like and that's how fast it is. But exactly. So to to go back, just to zoom back in. Let me take a step back. <laughs> well, let me take a step back. Um, <laughs> if you haven't watched Happy Endings, please watch it. It's on Hulu. It's yeah. so funny. Watch it so that we could make these references and you can laugh. Yep, this show um, came to me at the perfect time. I needed it when it, when I found it. Anyway. So these mass events like Age of Aquarius and these, you know, earth-shattering events, that doesn't mean that it, you know, shatters your world at the same percentage that it does somebody else's. Right. So when we're when we're watching all this media that's saying, you know, the stock market's going to crash and and you know the uh, the the plague is upon us, right? More people are plagued than others. Not everyone's plagued equally. So these events that we are told affect us all in this moment at the same time. The world is over for all intents and purposes. Not for everybody. Yeah. Right? So when you're And it's seeking, never everybody. It's never for everybody. So when you're seeking that like, you know, aha moment and you're seeking it externally, you're gonna be disappointed and you're gonna feel like you're on this consistent cliffhanger. Right? When you watch the news, bro, I thought the world was ended March 12, 2020. I was like, oh shit, it's over. Like, <laughs> the game ended. <laughs> At this point. And, and, and we felt like that we've gone through these cycles when I get too invested in what's going on in the world, where I'm like, shit, this is it. Shit, this is it. And it's not, it never is. It's never it. And then I'm left with this feeling of like, I wasted time worrying about the world being over when I could have been 
you know, pursuing, figuring out what my goals are and, and realizing that I can live in the world despite what's going on. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, right? So, like, I've been wanting to put out a comp, my, my own creator, own story mm-hmm. for a long time now. For those of you who don't know, I'm a comic book artist. Go follow me. War God Art on everything. Um, <laughs> wow. That's a good term. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, I've been wanting to put out my own comic forever now. And I have, like maybe five really fleshed out stories in my mind mm-hmm. um, and in various stages of development. And I know that I can. Mm-hmm. But there is a part of me that knows. I don't know what it is that knows that the day that I get my shit together is the day the world will officially end. Right? Like, I will... I will finally decide, all right, the world's not ending. There's no meteor. There's no big uh, happening that's going to happen. Let me go put my book together. And the day that I'm done, I'm going to look up in the sky in the fucking... Uh, uh, damn it, I can't remember what Madara calls it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about Naruto today, so... I had to. I have to get it. I got to get a Madara reference in there somewhere. Um, but... Uh, it's not the Sukuyomi though. It's the one where he makes uh, planetary destruction. That's what it is. Planetary destruction. Uh-huh. Um, that's the day that planetary destruction is gonna be in the sky, and then I'm gonna get crushed by a fucking meteor and die. Yeah. Like, why are you gonna cast that on yourself? I'm not. No, no. I'm not. I'm not casting anything on myself. This is something that I like. I feel like I've always understood. Uh. Right. And so this is this is the the driving force in me not pursuing the things that I want. Because my history has shown me that the second I try, there's going to be resistance. The second that I try, some well-meaning person is going to come and help me check my ego and keep me humble. Mm -hmm. Right? There's always an opposition the second that I try. So the second that I put forward the effort to complete my grand work... Mm -hmm. That's the day that the world's going to end because the world's just going to be like, yo, I told you not to try. The grand resistance. Yeah. That actually makes me think a little bit about human design. Um, I just, you know, I've been like, um, I can't even go that far. I've been dabbling, dipping my baby toe in the waters of human design. I don't know. You know, not a dang thing about it. That sounds like way more megalomaniacal than you think. When you, if you were to like, if someone was listening to our conversation from the outside, and hopefully they are, on Anchor and Spotify, they um, are because people Spotify and rap. There was a couple people that we were in their top five podcast. Yo, shout out to you and thank you for tagging us. We really appreciate it. It made us very excited. And for the six people who we were their top podcast, dude, love you. That's so cool. You're the best. Thank you. Um, sorry. Yeah, but if somebody was listening to a conversation from the outside mm-hmm. with no context of what we're talking about, I've been dipping my toe into the realm of human design. That sounds crazy megalomaniacal if you don't have the context of what human design is. Well, it sounds how it sounds. Oh, because of the words human design. Yeah. You mean so if people I, didn't know what human design yeah, was? Yeah, I'm dipping oh, my toe in the it. idea of creating humanity. I get it. Ha! <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like it. Um, okay, so I, uh, in human design, I'm a projector. 
And that is supposed to mean that I'm supposed to wait for invitation to do things. And I don't know how to explain this, but I've literally always felt that. Mm -hmm. If I'm not invited to do something, I'm not going. it's like whatever. Yeah. You know, like, like I'll do things for myself, but like especially opportunity. Every really good opportunity that I've had, yes, I've put out the effort to like be in the pos- be in the space where the opportunity was presented. Mm-hmm. But I've always waited until it was offered to me. Yeah. And even re- even little things like when I interviewed uh, uh, to nanny. Yeah. With my favorite family that I've ever nannied for, I walked into the house, and the first thing they had going on. Is they were watching uh, what was the app? The WWE Network, and immediately I was like, "Oh, you guys like wrestling?" That's all I said. And the kids were like, "You like wrestling?" And I was like, "Yeah, my husband used to wrestle." That was it. It was over. It was over. The mom was, took me aside, literally five minutes into this, because the interview when you nanny is really like a trial. You know, certain families will interview you first. So what happens is I meet the mother. For 20 minutes before the kids come home from school. The kids come home from school. I'm there for another hour or so as a trial to see how we gel. We had our interview portion with the mom. And, of course, the mom was, you know, she liked me because I had all the right experience, whatever. And, like, five minutes later, I'm pulled aside. And she's like, hey, listen, we want to offer you the position. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, you know, one of the ki- the kids told me from the beginning they wanted uh, to work with a babysitter who knew, who liked wrestling. And I told them that that was never going to happen. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I was invited into the position. But, and you know, this is not the only occurrence of my interests positively affecting your life. 100%, especially in nannying. Because then I wound up getting the kids into anime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that that's how we got on TikTok, nannying. Because I, I mean, honestly, I really liked, I really liked nannying. For the right family, it's a really fun gig. For the wrong family, it is hell on earth. <sighs> you know what I'm talking about. Matsuman? No, not Matsuman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to tell you guys about Matsuman Sunday, but that guy was <laughs> fucking annoying as hell. Um, no, I was talking about the, I know the peeing in the living room. Thing. Yes. Yes. I know. The, the mom, the, oh my God. But the, yeah. The mom was like, again, you can warn me that your kid urinates in the living room. Your five year old potty trained child stands up and just pees in the living room. When he's mad. Could have told me that my family was the, the worst. Anyway, nannying is fun if you find the right family and if you're patient and if you can really let go of a lot of microaggressions. <laughs> See, right there, like, that's that's where I can't be in it because I can't. No, that's that's fair. I, I absolutely, like, I, I'm not claiming to be some, like, big, tough, but, like, if I notice that you're, that you're trying... Mm-hmm. I'm going to address it and I'm going to make it awkward for both of us because I'm not going to be the only one sitting here in my feelings. Like if I got to feel it, we all got to feel it. And now, and now I'm, I'm going to hurt you just as bad as you about to hurt me. Parents really can ruin the nanny experience. 
Oh, I'm, I don't just mean parents. I mean anybody. Like, you're not just going to transgress against me and I'm just going to let it slide because you're having a bad day. Oh, that's why I don't think I can work in traditional environments anymore. I used to be able to just be like, well, you know, I'll reward myself for this stupid moment later. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm worth more than any dollar amount per hour. That's really what it comes down to. My time is not, uh, there's no price on my time that I can set for myself that you have available to you. Because you're going to transgress and I'm instantly going to hit you with an excuse me. And when I say excuse me, like that's it. Like we're now, now my fists are up and whatever you say next is going to determine what combo I'm going to hit you with. Is it going to be a jab and a right cross or am I going straight for the uppercut to knock you the fuck out? That used to be one of my favorite, like, back when I really flaunted my toxicity. (laughs) I used to love hitting people with excuse me. Because, you know, I don't come out the gate hot. I really don't. I let a lot of things slide. Because I can see both sides, and I sometimes I'm like, you know, I know where you were coming from when you said that, and you didn't mean it, blah, blah, blah. But then when I have to say excuse me, I make sure it's a heavy one. And it's the amount of times that I've seen people backtrack all the way to their childhood because I said excuse me, oh, man, the pleasure, the joy, the warm feelings. <laughs> it's just, especially in those... Um, uh, in those environments where people think you're one of them and you're not right like i worked in the upper east side for a long time so people thought that i was from the upper east side or that i was you know like that i was not with it in that way that you are not as hood as you actually are i don't even want to say that because (laughs) i know that some people think that you know my uh complexion determines that you were raised in the in the BX, like no, I understand. I'm just trying to be mindful. You're you're as Bing Bong as the rest of us. <laughs> Don't get me started on Bing Bong and and shout out to Bing Bong and tweet. Oh my god, uh, the tweet tweet playoffs. Yo, what do you got to say to Joe Byron? Now that New York, like the New York goons, are on TikTok. It is just a whole new environment. It's, it's really about to get popping now. Oh, you think people shouted crazy things at people for no reason? Now yep. they're filming it. Yep. It is amazing. It, it is a box office. Box office. <laughs> it's a movie out here. I got, I've shared a couple of this guy's videos, but I forget. I think his name on TikTok is Tweak Season. Tweak Season. Yeah. Tweak Championships? No, no, no. The, the Tweak Championships are an event. Yeah. But <laughs> his... His username is Tweak Season. Shout out to to Tweak Season. Hilarious. Hilarious. Anyway, so I've been in environments where I've had to mask a lot because I have wanted to, you know, I wanted a sex in the city life for a long time. I was like, I'm going to work in Manhattan. It's going to be so cool. And it was really cool. I I enjoy many parts of Manhattan and I miss it a lot. Um, Not right now, but, you know, in, in 2015... If I could go back to Manhattan in 2015, yeah, I'll go back in a second. Um, I mean, I lived in Manhattan. But right now, <laughs> I don't really want to identify myself to get a fucking bagel. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> Here's my social security number. I've, I've refrained from talking about this, but this is 
our thing, so I really don't care. I'm not gonna. I, I, I will not compromise this. There's no, there's no public space I'm gonna be in enough where I'm gonna identify myself to be there. And and like to me, that's been that's been the ultimate tell of what's actually going on the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that's been the measure the entire time of what's going on is that if it was really about safety, if it was really about keeping people safe. You would choose to keep your ass at home. But that's not what's happening. What people want is their own personal freedoms back enough that they're willing to risk everybody for it. Right? Disguised as you're being the good guy by complying. It's a virtue signaling thing. Mm-hmm. And people want people want more privileges than other people. But you People fail to realize that if we turn your ability to go sit down and eat into a privilege, anything is going to be turned into a privilege. And at the end of the day, it always winds up being the same thing. Only the rich should, right? Because even, right, and this is one of the things that in my own personal ideology, I wind up, I wind up falling into, into this gap sometimes and I have to like talk my way out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I have moral opposition to having children without thoroughly considering what it means to be a parent, thoroughly Mm -hmm. considering, you know, psychology and like your financial stand, like really having a plan for it. Not that a plan is going to make it any easier, but I feel like too many people are just firing seeds into the dark (laughs) and seeing what grows. And a lot of times what grows are giant Venus flytraps. Um, my, my big issue is that people aren't considering the moral implications and how the outcome of their actions are going to affect another living thing, mm-hmm. right? And how that environment, the way that it affects that person, because like poverty, for example, poverty is a great example. You could put 500 people in the same scenario, make them all poor and it's going to affect them all differently, mm-hmm. right? For some people, it's going to affect them in the, we're poor, but we don't have enough money to eat. Uh, we're poor, we don't have enough money to eat. Some people are going to have the money to eat, but their electricity is going to get cut at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to have enough money to eat and enough money to keep the electricity on, but they're not going to be able to have luxuries. Some people are going to develop a, a poverty mindset. They have just enough money to get, have everything they need but they don't want to waste it because they don't know if they're going to be able to get it again, right? There's always a spectrum of possibility. There is always a spectrum of possibility. And it goes back to the thing that I was saying about best choice, worst choice, mm-hmm. and infinite possibility in between. You become so dedicated to any one outcome that you don't leave any wiggle room for the universe to work miracles, mm-hmm. right? Because in between those two points, literally anything can happen. But you've made the decision that this is the only good outcome and this is the only bad outcome. Which means when a very unexpected good outcome presents itself, you don't even notice it. You don't even see it's there because you're like, well, this isn't the outcome. I don't know what this is, but this isn't it. So this is what I mean when I say I don't know that I'm pursuing comic books as a career anymore. Mm -hmm. Not that I want to stop making comic books. It's that I don't want to lock myself in to a future that I can't per- that I can't perceive, mm-hmm. right? But if I lock myself, well, oh, uh, I, I use a mnemonic device to figure out my future. <laughs> and it's locked in. Locked in. Um, 
so right so i don't i don't want to commit myself to a future that i can't perceive but at the same time if i don't leave some wiggle room i have to be a comic book artist i have to work at dc i have to work on nightwing i have to, right this is the only foreseeable outcome then the universe has no room to give me better than i deserve mm-hmm. right because that's what the universe wants to to do the universe has infinite infinity at its fingertips and it wants to give you what you want and then some but if you're so locked into what it is that you want you don't get the then some maybe you get to the thing that you want if you're lucky because you're so rigid in how you want it right you want to get what you want exactly that's where and this is where i I get into trouble with um trying to figure out what i want it's exactly that because then my mind goes well how do i get that and i try and find the steps and that's not the goal yeah the goal is to to cast a wide net yeah so see this is this is why i was talking about like when you write Instead of trying to figure out what it is that I want, mm-hmm. right? I think it's more fruitful to go, here's a goal that I have, mm-hmm. right? And then in detail, whatever you can come up with in the moment, what would it look like if I could dedicate 100% of my energy to that goal? What actions would I be taking if I were 100% committed to that goal? What would my day-to-day look like if I were 100% committed to that goal? Because by doing that and generating that list, you've already laid out some groundwork for yourself. And that makes it easier to plan for the goal. Because a lot of times the problem that we have is we're aiming at one thing, thinking that that's the thing that we want. But really the thing that we want is the thing that that goal gives us access to. This might be the most Vedic Libra thing ever, but like, I want everything. (laughs) Like when I think about it, I want to live in the mountains. I want to live near a river. I want to travel the world. I want to have luxurious experiences. I want to live on a homestead. I want to be far away from people. Sure. And all of that is possible. The problem problem that you're going to fall into though is whatever your perception of time is, right? Because you can have all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't have all that stuff at once. At the same time, all the time, consistently. I'm, I'm cool with that. No, no, I yeah. know, but I, with, this is what I'm saying. Like, it, it's very, uh, well, I'm, I'm a Bo Burnhamite. You, you want a little bit of everything all, all the of time. the time. Not all of everything all the time, because you, as an individual, cannot maintain all of everything all no. of the time. And I tried this even with, like, hobbies right so my um i have a fixed sun scorpio sun and cardinal uh moon and rising capricorn i love starting things i love ideas and i have really good ideas the excitement of if i could just have like if, if people would pay me to be like hey give me your idea so i could pursue it and then i get a piece of it that would be ideal because that's what consulting is i know i just don't like I know it's what consulting is, and I like consulting, and I like curating. I don't know how to apply those things. That's it. I don't know how to apply those things. Well, that's an excellent (laughs) question for our listeners. So, you heard the list of skills that she enjoys. What are some suggestions you guys have on things that she could pursue that incorporate all of those skills? Maybe we could build something from this. That would actually be super dope. Yeah. If anyone's willing to... To reach out in that way, that'll yeah. be super cool. Actually. If you're if if a life coach is out there listening, 
But like, um, or even, you know, want to like be a guest and talk about this with us because that would be super cool too. Um, Because I'll tell you my, my process is I get obsessed for like a week and I learn a lot of things. And then next week I'm like, all right, I have this new idea now. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, go no further than uh, the utility apron that I came up with like three yep, days ago. Don't talk too much about that. It's, uh, in, it's in development. Yeah. Uh, uh, product T- TMR Circle 1996 Aries to whatever. And that's um, legally binding. Yep. <laughs> I, I talked to Joe Byron about it. Bing bong. Um, Bing bong. Uh, God damn it. No, but like I, I constantly come up with like, if not altogether brand new products. Yeah. Like taking something that already exists and innovating it for the future because a lot a lot of the stagnation that humanity experiences is got nothing to do with what we're capable of doing and everything to do with the fact that like the people who invented cars don't want us to move on to the next technology because then they lose money they lose cars. money yeah the people who created fossil fuel energy don't want us to move on from fossil fuel energy because then they lose money it's not that we can't right at this point they could they could build nuclear reactors that fit in your pocket they're just not going to because there's an industry that is propping up a whole segment of the government mm-hmm. right via the money that they make paying them making sure that particular kinds of research don't get out making the particular mm-hmm. advancements don't make it to market make the first electric cars were made in 1967 i believe fully electric all right so we've had the technology for well over 40 50 years well, no go no further than tesla than nikola tesla and go no further than there's a light bulb in a firehouse that has been on since the days of benjamin franklin an infinity bulb that never goes out. But over the years, and I watched a, like a mini documentary on YouTube about this. Mm-hmm. The people who manufactured light bulbs were actively paying people to find ways to make the light bulbs last less. Mm-hmm. So that they could sell you more light bulbs. Make it less efficient so that you would buy in higher volumes. And now look at iPhones. We have the technology to have a battery that lasts for. Longer yep. than our lifetimes. Forever. But Literally in two forever. years, your phone battery dies? No, and, and go no for... And, like, the, the glass, mm-hmm. right? So, they allegedly, we have Gorilla Glass. We have all these innovations. But every year, it seems like the phones are more and more fragile. No matter what, like, bulletproof, Teflon, yeah. super coating they want to put on it, everybody's phone screen is cracked. Well, did you ever hear the story about that man? I don't remember his name. Who supposedly invented a car that runs on water. Yes. He went... So for those of you that haven't, you should look into this. It's very interesting. And for my, you know, conspiracy lovers out there, this is right up your alley. Supposedly... This is not a conspiracy. He, <laughs> well, most... Uh, yeah. We're not going to get into that, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, supposedly, this man who created the technology to run cars on water was being um, solicited for a potential partnership with somebody. They go to an eatery to discuss it. And the man was known... The story goes he 
during the conversation, he ran out and he said something along the lines of they poisoned me or they shot, something like that. And then he died shortly after. Of a heart attack, right? Of a heart attack. And we know that through CIA evidence, you can look it up on the CIA.gov website. Was this the gun thing? They've created a gun years ago in like the 60s or 70s that can induce a heart attack. So that if you die of a heart attack, there's, there can now be open speculation whether or not that was true. Because there are other ways to emulate the look of a heart attack in an autopsy. Or well, to induce Astroworld. a heart attack. <sighs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing I just have no interest in talking no, about. Yeah, me neither. I don't, I don't really care about I feel like culture. everything's been said. Yeah. You know, um, Amber actually talks a lot about this in, in the, the new, podcast yeah. that she just that just came out. I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Um and I think she gives a really great explanation of it. I am not as involved. I'm not. I just didn't really know too much about it, and I didn't want to. I don't. Know, didn't pique my interest in that way. No offense. I mean, you know, whatever. I'm interested in what I'm interested in. But what you said before about the government contracts really set me up for something I've been wanting to say, but I just couldn't find the right time. I've decided. I don't want to debate anymore. Yep. I don't want to list the facts that I have against the facts that you have because if we're talking about all of our knowing coming from the internal right and coupled with the fact that or coupled with the evidence that there are multiple universes the and if not i mean the act of debate really is just a competition to see whose universe one of the other is going to jump into yeah whose 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 existence is more real right if if you change my mind with your facts. Now I've I've literally jumped timelines to a universe where your facts are part of my belief system, mm-hmm. right? So I've abandoned my old universe in favor of this one. I have no interest in this. Or I've anymore. remodeled my own universe in such a way that brings me closer to your reality. Yes. And when you look at like every or at the corruption of the industry of science, the corporate science, right? Because there's a difference between the scientific method and backed and paid for research findings, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Which is what we encounter now in med and tech industries a lot of the time. And maybe it, it extends even further than that when you really start to think about it, right? So... I'm certain that there is a certain subsect of people who go into, say, science, mm-hmm. who go into medicine, who go into law enforcement, who go into all these varying fields with good intent. Yeah. Right? There are There's certainly a subsect of people who are like, no, I want to help the world, mm-hmm. or I want to help my neighborhood, or I want to help my fellow men, whatever it is, right? And through the system... Of that of that industry, right? Law enforcement or like the military are good examples, right? Mm-hmm. Those people need to undergo special training. That special training also includes mental conditioning. Yes, exactly. right. So yes, they could have started out being a do-gooder. They could have started out being someone who had nothing but the best intentions, who had every intention of helping everyone around. But through the practice, through the actual like act of being in these industries, being in these fields, going through these trainings, um, being restricted due to paywalls, being uh, uh, funded in particular directions and not in other directions, mm-hmm. 
all of these things have an effect and eventually all the good become just like everybody else in the thing. Well, you can't change the system from inside of it. Right. Right, because in order to be invited into it, you, there are certain criteria that you have to meet. And you have to really show yeah, you have to show enough pliability to being molded in order for the mm-hmm. the larger mechanism to accept you. Well, go no further than uh, there's an IQ cap to become a police officer. Yeah. Meaning that you could have too high of an IQ to be accepted to be a police officer. Because they don't want you to question orders. Of course. Yeah, They exactly. want you to so be now, told what to do and do it without asking questions. So now let's say you're a person who really wants to help people through health. You go to medical school and you assume that all of this is accurate, unbiased information. So you're learning all of this information on false pretenses to yeah. begin with, Which right? is allegedly a fact. So this is what I'm saying about not wanting to debate, right? If your evidence is only corporate-backed science and you will accept no other type of evidence, we're going nowhere and it's pointless. But this is exactly what I was saying earlier. This is exactly what I was saying about locking into best best outcome worst outcome mm-hmm. right being so rigid in your perception of the world that nothing but what you believe could be true mm-hmm. right um i think we limit our reach subconsciously that way right we limit what we're capable of because this is the best possible outcome i can't imagine anything better than that mm-hmm. Even though I know literally anything could happen. Right now, a 3,000-pound bag of money could fall out of an airplane, land through my roof, and I could be a fucking billionaire and dip. Right? That could happen. But is it likely to happen if I don't believe that it can happen? Mm. Right? It's it's the there is no spoon part of the matrix. Yeah. Right? Your beliefs limit what's possible. Your ability to, uh, to imagine in... Sharp, forty uh, in HD four forty K or fifty six whatever we're up to now uh, resolution prevents you from being able to manifest mm-hmm. that belief. These are all like interlocked systems. They are all interwoven systems that depend on each other. But we look at them as separate things, so we limit our ability to navigate our lives. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, not... I think that uh, I don't want to debate anymore comes from... Less from a rigid, stubborn place than I have in the past. You know, in the past, I didn't like to debate because I was like... You didn't like the confrontation of it. I didn't like the confrontation, and I just didn't care. Yeah. I was like, I think what I think, and and this is what I think. That's it. See? And this right? is this is a great point. Because go ahead and try to change a core belief that you have by thinking. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. You could, it's the same thing as, as, you know, identifying your traumas being different than healing them. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I can see you. But that I know, mean I I know what's have, wrong. Exactly. But that doesn't mean I have the mechanism to do it right now. So what debate I realize is doing is keeping us in the system. Because now there are only two possible debate topics. Pro or or anti. But best possible outcome, worst possible yeah. outcome. Yeah. When in reality, things are happening and they're affecting everyone differently. 
Yeah, and the truth is like... So when you say things like, oh, well, that's anecdotal evidence. My life is a fucking anecdote, bitch. What other evidence do you want? Yeah, that's the only evidence I can present you as someone who doesn't who doesn't have access to the fields in which these things are proven. Well, because now what you're saying is you must ignore your own lived experience in favor of, of uh, the yeah. Rockefeller found evidence. Right. Which we know now is based on false pretense and the destruction of the holistic medicine community. Right? And, and, and uh, the purposeful disacknowledgement of like indigenous sciences yeah yeah well look since you can't patent uh, a plant right but what what is all medicine the attempt to completely replicate yeah what is found in plants so that they can sell it yeah and then add some chemicals in there too so that you you now need it forever or not just so that you now need it so that it triggers a cellular response in your body that requires you now to forever for the rest of your life to subscribe mm-hmm. to this to this treatment. So when you look at how government food industries and medical industries all work together to create what exists now on purpose, this is the way that it's supposed to be right now. If not it would have changed. They have the money and influence to change it and they haven't, right? You have to think for a second, are we really talking about health when the measures, when you have to identify yourself to go eat fucking McDonald's? Where's the health there? Yeah, and also, this is is another thing. Like, so the concept of healthcare is interesting because it's based on the assumption that there is one right model of health. Yep. Right, that there is one optimal, but like I said earlier, no two people's physiology is the same, right? Uh, you and I both like those backcracking videos on oh, on TikTok, them. right? Um, so we both like those things, and every time we see one, we both go, "Oh, we gotta try this right now." How many of them have worked for both of us? Very few. Very few. Why? Because my level of flexibility. My height, my mu- like my musculature, my f- body fat percentage, all of that is going to change the outcome. Yeah, even your injuries and scar tissue. And, right, right, right. You know. where, where I know how to put leverage on my body versus where I don't, right? All of these things are going to affect the outcome. So there's nobody that you can really give advice to that they should automatically consider as like, this is a fact. Right. Oh yeah, and, and in high school, I hated PE. Right. Mostly, be- first of all, the classes were eighty minutes. What the hell? And second of all, we would have to do you know like a series of exercises, and one of them was like the sit-ups where your knees are like where your where your calves are parallel to the ground and your crunches. knees are bent. Uh, yeah, crunches. And I have an anterior pelvic tilt, mm-hmm. which means that. When I lay on the ground to do that, my positioning is off so that my tailbone is literally scraping against the ground, putting me in so much pain that I could cry. And this woman, all she could tell me was to push through and stop being a baby. 
despite the fact that I was hurting myself, right? Yeah. And then I don't know if it's connected, but then years later I have a herniated disc on the same side. I'm, well, I you mean, know what I mean? Like, I had been exacerbating this co- condition that I didn't know was a condition. Or at the very least, you were conditioning your body to have a weakness at a particular point. Yeah. Right? If I press on this spot on your knee mm-hmm. consistently for decades and decades and decades and decades. Yeah. That part of your knee is going to erode in some small bit because mm-hmm. of the constant pressure, right? It's like you don't have skin issues, but you wear the same shoes all the time, so you develop contact dermatitis, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes just the exposure to a thing can develop the weakness, the the weakness, yeah. the, the negative outcome. Yeah, and, and so all this long-winded to say that, like, different strokes for different folks, Whatever yeah. works for you works for you, but that doesn't have to be contingent upon uh, something "quote unquote" proven outside of you. And the truth is, like ninety some odd percent of people aren't really as open minded as they make themselves out to be, right? Like, I one of the things that I pride myself on is I'm actively ready to forego anything I believe. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready and willing to just give up a lifelong belief. If you show me the right evidence, if you show me right, if you show me enough evidence that is acceptable to me, I will let go of any thought no matter how long I've had it. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm always ready and willing to accept new information. But the criteria of what which of, of what counts as. Uh you know, acceptable evidence for me Oh yeah, is it, different than you. And that's okay too. Yeah. Like, we have to stop calling people morons for not, you know, accepting every scientific journal. We have to stop calling people morons for putting value in their own lived experience. Well, yeah. I mean, go no further, go no further than like in the medical field. Um, people assume that like having children giving birth, the act of doing it, is now a safe thing, right? But that really depends on what community you're a part of, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you're part of the African-American community, their mortality rate is like double. Especially when you go to a traditional hospital. And then, you know, if you look into a little bit of the, like, racial inequalities that exist within the medical sciences, Mm -hmm. right? For example, for a long time, the medical field was was conclusively behind the idea that black folk don't feel pain yep. the same way white people do. The experimentation that has been conducted on various peoples of color, black right. people, Native American people, Hispanic people, like the amount of experimentation done without regard for the humanness yeah. of those groups. And the thing, and so like that brings me to the point of like not all not all speculation is the same, mm-hmm. right? Like some people have have a more justifiable right to be wary mm-hmm. of certain things, right? If you know the history of Puerto Rico and the history of scientific experimentation that's gone on here on the women here on the men here and how those things were implemented. I can't be mad at somebody who doesn't want to undertake specific actions that are being 
Highly encouraged. Highly encouraged by governments. Who profit. Right. Off of our compliance. In experimentation. I'm sorry, but there was a time. You've done medical Oh uh, yeah, no, I was I was before. a prof- I was a professional guinea pig for about six years of my life. Well people who have never done this kind of work don't realize, right? Because I didn't do that, but I did a lot of focus groups. You're supposed to get paid handsomely oh, if yeah. you test out medications, if you allow yourself to be tested on, right? So now instead of paying people we're taking away their access to things for not becoming or for not participating in an experiment. Right. When in, when in reality, you're supposed to have the choice whether or not to do it and you're supposed to get paid. Compensated. And monitored heavily. Why, and why, and I know most people would say like, well, why would you need to be compensated if it's for the greater good? Mm-hmm. Right. So fine, maybe maybe the actions are for the greater good, and that's why people take them on. But at the end of the day, you have to consider that what you do today, the outcome of which may not be determined for another decade, for another two decades. Mm-hmm. When I was eleven years old, I never once sat to imagine what my life was going to be like when I was forty. Mm-hmm. Right? I thought I'd be dead by now. And now I'm kind of lost in life because I never stopped to think about that. Mm-hmm. So what you do today for quote unquote the be- the the greater good that you go uncompensated for later when you try to get compensation because now it's had an adverse effect, mm-hmm. they're gonna go oh well the 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 what is it the statute of limitation has since yeah. expired so or now you can't do you can't correlation doesn't equal causation so which is true. But they use that against them, right? You can't say that this caused you to die. What makes you say that? What makes you say that? You don't know. You don't have the labs. And it's just a whole bullshit. Oh, well, I mean, look at what happened with Mo and the and the litter. Look how quick the brand responded to me yep. to try to get to the, the doctor. Try to get to the vet. Try to get to the doctor before I even really had time to, like, do any research on what was happening. They were already trying to mitigate them having to owe me something because your all-natural kitty litter almost killed my cat, tidy cat. I'm yeah. still mad about it. No, it's been an arduous journey dealing with this cat's health because of this. But it also, you're right, it's the perfect example. Do not use tidy cat's natural litter. Do not do it if you love your pet. But... <laughs> no, it was it was a really bad situation and we can go into if anyone's interested in that we can go into detail about it some other time but you know all that to say like all of this you know solid quote-unquote evidence is always fluid we don't know everything we barely know anything and at the end of the day no amount of evidence is really going to change anybody's mind Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like you there are things that you know and then there are things that you believe and the things that you believe don't necessarily have to be rational they don't have to be based in any kind of reality they mm-hmm. don't have right there's no requirement for something to be real in order for you to believe it so at the end of the day what are we arguing for exactly what is the point exactly. what's the point of having the conversation i when when i go into conversations 
I, I, I mentioned, I said this to you the other day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, most people go into a conversation trying to prove a point. Mm -hmm. I go into a conversation trying to make a point. And those are two very different approaches to mm -hmm. talking to someone. Someone who is out to prove a point has already made up their mind. They've already locked themselves into a reality and there's no, there's nothing you can say to them that's going to change what is real to them. When someone goes in to make a point, they go, hey, this is what I was thinking about. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you think this is possible? We're running out of time.